What's that noise? Chris, it's a shredder. The feds are coming. They found out about the taxes. Why are we shredding stuff? Cause, Chris, the feds are coming. I knew we should have gotten that LLC. I knew we should have, too. I don't know. They said something about taxes. Not a real business. All I know is we're shredding. We're shredding and we're moving out. All right. Well, I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And we're doing this Donut Box podcast. Welcome to the Donut Box Podcast. Just kidding. We're not having any financial troubles, but if you'd like to sponsor us, there's my plug. Please sponsor us. Um, but yeah, hey, lucky episode number 13. Lucky 13. Yeah, and we have a great show for you guys today. Um, f- so for all of y'all that are new, the Donut Box Podcast is a different donut uh, out of the box, and a different donut is a different topic, and today we are going to do the old-fashioned donut and we saved a great story for you it is our bull riding story it's about the time me and michael went bull riding (coughs) so let me uh, give you a little background uh at the time we were both like into western wear horses doing the cowboy thing and stuff no it wasn't like brokeback mountain i'll just put that out there like that if i hear one more brokeback mountain jokes or steers and whatever i'm gonna go off anyways uh, so we were super into bull riding, and all my life I wanted to uh, like go to Texas and stuff. And I love horses, and I love watching PBR, the professional bull riding on TV. Side note: We did professional bull riding fantasy league, so it's like you know fantasy football, except for you get to pick the riders and the bulls. And yeah, and actually, you would get uh, points if your rider stayed on for a long time, or if you chose the right bull uh, and they bucked their riders off really quickly, you get points for how how quick they bucked their riders off. But anyways, I digress. So uh, Micah's uncle lived in a town in Georgia called Luda Wissy. No, it's not Little Wissy. It's Luda Wussy. Luda Wissy or Luda Wussy? Luda Wissy. Yeah, it's really weird to say. Um, and we were going down there. It's down by Savannah, Savannah, Georgia. And we hung out with his parents. And I think we even like went to a couple museums and went downtown and stuff. And so we went to go visit his uncle who was a bull rider and he was on this pro-am circuit and uh if you know anything about bull riding the professionals you know it's kind of like anything else where they have different places they go and this one in particular just happened to be kind of the hometown thing where they practice but also had a rodeo once a month yeah it was really interesting and we actually went to the rodeo later that night and it was really interesting to watch so i was all about the rodeo. i still am i like going to a good rodeo and you know watching uh you know the the bareback riding and the bull riding and the team roping and all that good stuff so we went down there and you know we're hanging out talking to all the bull riders and they're telling us a whole bunch of stuff and telling us their crazy bull riding stories about how they're like yeah last week i broke a rib or two weeks ago this is where i broke my ankle riding this bull and they're introducing us to the bulls and uh all of a sudden they come up to us and they're like do you want to ride one and me and Mike are like, oh boy, do we want to ride a bull? That'd be the best experience ever. So uh, what happened after that? So first and foremost, of course, we had to sign paperwork and we had to convince my parents to do so. And also your parents, my parents weren't your legal guardian. So they had to call your parents to 
be able to sign off on it. So we had to sign off on the wonderful thing, and we paid $10. A piece. A piece. So $20 total, which, oh, yeah, we broke the bank that day. The man that owned the ranch, his name was Nino. Old Italian guy. Yeah, old Italian guy, and he was just like, your boys want to ride? And Michael's dad was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, just sign these waivers and 10 bucks and we'll call it good. All I remember is it was like this weird, almost Don Corleone type thing. And it's not because he's just Italian, but I remember the signing of the paperwork. There was this little restaurant. And of course, since this was like practice day, there's nobody in the restaurant but him. And he's at this table and he's just drinking beer and he just doesn't say two words. We just walk in there and he's sitting there smoking. So it's like this smoky room where he's drinking and we walk up to him, and he's just like, you boys want to ride a bull? And I was like, oh, yeah, because I've ridden, like, a mechanical bull. But I was like, oh, man, this would be a lifetime experience. So I called my mom, and my mom reluctantly said yes. She was not too thrilled. But anyway, she said yes. I don't think I told my dad because my dad would have told me absolutely not. He'd be like, uh-uh, you ain't going to ride no bull, son. But we told my dad later, and he was pretty mad about it. So did did I ride first, or you rode first? You rode first. Um because I just remember we, we got there and they said, well, we're going to put you on the smallest bull that we got. And he's, he's feisty. His name was Chihuahua. And the thing about Chihuahua was he was a small bull, but he, like Micah said, he was a feisty bull. And this bull actually came out the gate backwards. Like he was known to come out the gate backwards, not like a normal bull where they just come, come out forwards. And so uh, they put me in like the vest and they put me like in the helmet and I wish I still had the picture of me like on the bull because I was like my Facebook profile picture forever. I felt like I was on PBR like it was awesome. It was a great feeling. And I'm sitting there and like part of me is like nervous but other part of me is like oh man like I don't know how I'm gonna uh, you know do this but it was I was like I gotta do this. So I'm sitting there and my bull was pretty calm like it was pretty chilling and uh, they get me all you know ready with the rope and I'm sitting there and I'm ready to go and they're like give me a knob when you're ready to go and I, I'd seen this in the movies and I'd seen it on TV so I was like oh ready Walker Texas Ranger I'm ready to go and um, and so I sat there and they said all right go and that bull came out spinning backwards and he kept bucking and bucking and actually in the picture you'll see my legs like go up they almost went up over my head and I promise you I felt like I was on there for a good seven seconds it was not even like two seconds it was like maybe 1.5 seconds i'm telling you when you're on there you feel like it's the longest time and i remember as soon as i got bucked off i hit the dirt really hard and i was scared because i saw that bull turn and he was like coming for me and i'm running to get out the way and i see like the the ranch dog he's like going and chasing the bull so that he doesn't you know come and you know gored me with his horns i will say this it was a sight to see to see chris's legs <laughs> up over his head i mean homie held on i mean that's a lot to hold on with when the whole force of your body is like going backwards basically and you were he still held on it would have helped if i had spurs um i didn't have spurs but so i got i was like and michael was like how was it and I, he was kind of like you could tell he was kind of nervous kind of feeling it out and i was like dude it was awesome. It was a. I was like, I'd do it again if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but so then they get Micah all strapped up, and his bull was Joker. So tell them about well, your. At first, they were gonna put me on Chihuahua. They were gonna put me on there, and then they took one look at me and, and was like, "Your legs are gonna drag the ground. You're too tall." I was pretty tall at the time, so they said, "So we're gonna have to give you a little bit of a, a bigger one." And this was one of the ones they actually used in the circuit, and his name was Joker. 
And I just remember that thing because when they said his name and they had told us who all the bulls were, this was the one that was like hitting the freaking cage behind us the whole time. He was he had like an attitude and a half. And so I'm nervous as all get out, obviously. And they get me all suited up and everything. And, you know, they put the bull in the chute. I get there. They're telling me how to tie the thing. They're telling me how to tie the rope and everything. And so you do the little thing, of course, like I was doing at PBR. You have the little gloves, you, you know, you, you rub up and down on there for the friction. And then I start tying the thing on there. Well, this bull is not very patient. And, I mean, starts jumping up on the top of the gate, starts, like, flipping out. I remember at one point, like, he leaned on the side, so, like, my leg is pinned. So they had to get, like, two-by-fours and, like, press them off. And, you know, remarkably, I don't know how, but I was calmer than hell when I was on the thing. Like, once I was actually on the thing, I was nervous getting up to it. But once I was on it and I tied my hand to it, I was just like, all right, we're cool. And he's just going nuts, and it was fine. So we finally get the thing full on tied and they were like, yeah, you better go as quick as you can. Cause he's just going to keep, keep going. So I said, yeah. And I just remember watching the dude's head turn, the bull's head turn. And he came out head first, took one big buck, kind of a spin and then another buck. And I was off. And I remember hitting the ground. And of course this thing having an attitude like it had, I'm sitting here going, I got to get up and get out of here as quickly as possible. Well, I did it a little too fast, stood up, started running, fell down again, <laughs> face planted, and then got back up and ran, and it, luckily to safety. But, I mean, Chris will tell you, that bull in the back, like, we were we were there hanging out with all the bull riders, and that thing was still just going at the gate and was beating up on the gate and everything. I mean, he wanted at me. Man, it was an experience. It is definitely something that I would love to do at least one more time, at least once. Um, definitely with Spurs this time. But uh, I, I, I do, I will tell you that next day I was sore and my back hurt, my body hurt. Because at the time, whenever you hit the ground that hard, you got adrenaline pumping through you and you're not really feeling it. But when I went to sleep and when I woke up, I was like, man, I was like, my back hurts really, really, really bad. Um, and but I would do it again. I wouldn't do it like professionally or even amateur because there are guys that get hurt. They get broken ribs and they get broken, you know, feet and stuff. But I remember just hanging out with the bull riders and the bull riders were cool, man. Like we loved just hanging out with them. They kind of took us under their wing and they like, you know, treated us like we were on. And we were just these kids that they had never met before, but they took us under, you know, they didn't make fun of us. They didn't, you know, point at us and laugh they were just like oh you want to learn like you know we'll teach you and it, it was just a great experience gave us equipment and everything else i mean i think all the equipment we had was hodgepodge between like three people but they were like hey you know i'll let you use my helmet for it i'll let you use whatever and i mean it was so cool to the point where they even remembered us i remember we came back at a certain point a couple other times and did some stuff with them and they were just like oh yeah we remember you and you know most people are like oh yeah who, who are you again and you know, but they were really cool guys. Really cool guys. Side note, uh, we one of our pipe dreams was to go to Texas Tech and to uh, join their rodeo team and to be bull riders when we had only ridden a bull like once in our life. I was like, there's no way they would let us on there. But being a little bit older now, I would have my reservations, but I would definitely do it at least one more time before I got to the point where I had kids. If I had kids, probably not because I wouldn't want to like have a freak accident, but that was the time we went bull riding. Yeah, it was super fun. I, I would definitely do it again as well. Um, 
another one of our dreams when we got out to Texas was to be ranchers, but I digress. Um, <laughs> so the next, the next segment we have here is the jelly donut segment or the jail report. And Chris has got a good one today. So, uh, this is an interesting one. I don't know why we always pick, like, domestic disturbances and stuff, but they're funny. Like, this one is, like, it's it's funny. Like, no one really got hurt. Uh, discretion, it's not funny as in, like, the domestic violence thing, but the circumstances surrounding it is what makes it funny. Yes, thank you for clearing that up. Domestic violence is never okay. Let me just be real and clear. But the circumstances surrounding it is hilarious. So... Local woman throws a plate of food at husband. Oh, Lord. A local woman who threw a plate at her husband was charged last Thursday with third-degree domestic violence. According to local officials, Mrs. Ringer, who was 53 years old, was arrested at her home shortly after 9 p.m. Mrs. Ringer claimed that her husband challenged her to throw a plate of food at him. According to the report, she asked him to leave her alone, but he continued to antagonize her, the suspect alleged. He said, in quotes, in quote, she said, he said that I would miss, Ringer told cops. The plate went flying when she had enough, and Mrs. Ringer's husband called police, and after a brief investigation, they found pieces of a blue porcelain plate in a dust dustpan. She was arrested without incident. He declined EMS treatment for a small cut above his left eye, according to reports. So it sounded like uh, that the plate, or at least the ricochet, almost hit him. And I can't believe that this guy would taunt her and taunt her and taunt her and then whenever she threw the plate at him uh call the cops well all i have to say is if she would have hit him full on ringer but sorry that that dude that's pretty good that's a good dad joke okay domestic violence is never okay it's never okay but like i said the circumstances could be hilarious i would be kind of frustrated i bet it was like a bet be like oh i bet you can't hit me with that plate i bet you they were like arguing about something small and she probably was like, I'm going to throw this plate at you if you don't quit. And he was like, do it then. Like, you won't hit me. And then she said, okay, leave me alone. And he was like, do it. I bet you won't hit me. I bet you won't hit me. I bet you won't hit me. And then she said, all right, bet. And then, boom, pow, right in the kisser. That's crazy. Well, what do you think that they were really arguing about? It could be a wide range of things. Like you said, it could have been something so small as in, you know, something, something extremely small. And, you know, sometimes even playing around can turn into something like that. The fact that she cut him or there was bodily harm is the reason why she's going to jail for domestic violence. But he pushed her. Again, domestic violence is never okay. And you should never act out in physical retaliation unless you're defending yourself. But, I mean, it sounds like he was the instigator for sure. For sure. Um, word to the wise there. If someone's antagonized you to throw something at them, don't because you might rage actually hit them and something could happen. And then on the other end, if if the other person is getting mad and, you know, if this is the person's wife, she, he ought to have known that she might have the inclination. And who knows, maybe he just drove her to the point where she was like, screw it, I'll throw this at you. <laughs> And, and made it happen. And we don't know the whole situation, but for him to antagonize her and then call the cops, that just, that kind of is annoying because it's like, bro, you kept pushing her and now you're going to call the cops on her? Like, really? Come on, man. Well, that's really damaging to a relationship, I'm sure, because, you know, I mean, 
unless they split up, she's coming back home at some point, and you called the cops on her as far as that's concerned. After, because I mean, I can imagine in her mind, it's it's largely his fault, even though she shouldn't have actually thrown it. But still, it's just kind of it's a weird situation to analyze. But at the same time, just don't be throwing plates at people, yeah. even though they might deserve it. Well, that was our jail report. Uh, if someone makes you mad, please walk away. But if you're backed into a corner and you have to defend yourself, then by all means do that. Uh, so the next donut segment is our donut hole. And Micah, what do you have for the donut hole for us this week? Disclaimer, it's about sports. In particular, it's about the NFL. So if you're not a sports fan, an American football fan, NFL fan, whatever, you can just skip past this point. So... What I want to talk about is, wow, for those of you who watch the playoffs, I know the Super Bowl is already over with at this point, but for those of you who watch the playoffs, wow, the playoffs were good this year. They were really good. Um, even even before the playoffs started, week 18, so there were 17 games in the regular NFL season, and that normally didn't happen, but it came down on a Sunday night to the Chargers and the Raiders being division rivals, you know, playing for the second time. And it was to the point, it was a playoff game within the playoffs, which I don't remember ever seeing something like that to where a playoff game in the regular season to where it was lose or, or win or go home. If you lose, you go home. And if they would have tied, then Pittsburgh would have been out and both of them, the Chargers and the Raiders would have went on. So, Ended up going all the way down to where they got it tied up in the end. Went all the way to overtime. To almost the end of overtime. And it looked like, oh man, they might tie. And Pittsburgh might be out. Which is a crazy situation. For those of you who don't watch American football. In order to tie in the NFL, that doesn't happen very often. That happens you know, maybe once a season, maybe twice a season, if that. You don't even see that. So in order for them to go all the way down to the wire for this to happen. But anyways, um, the Chargers made this stupid call, called a timeout, which made the Raiders think about it, and they ended up winning the game. So the Chargers were out and Pittsburgh was in. So it was this whole big, I mean, it was down to three seconds left, and it's like one of these three teams can be going home over a matter of three seconds. That's that's pretty insane. That's pretty crazy. So I fast forward over to the divisional round. Did you watch any of it, Chris? I watched like the tail end of the Buccaneers and the Rams game. Which that was a very good one. And then I watched the the Chiefs and it wasn't the Chiefs and the Bengals. Yeah, Chiefs and the Bills game. That was a crazy game in of itself. I thought that everybody it was basically every playoff game you're sitting on the edge of your seat and you're like who's gonna go are they gonna win and just when you think it's over they come back and you know this year it's been a really interesting because normally when you're watching the nfl there are three or four teams that are just juggernaut teams and that you're sitting there going one of them or it's going to be in the super bowl you already know this year it was kind of a crapshoot it was you know anyone can really make it this year and so we got up to the divisional round in the game you were talking about um the bucks and the rams that was a really that was crazy too. The Rams had a big lead, twenty-seven to three at halftime. So, and for those of you who remember Tom Brady, the quarterback of the Bucks, or former, he's now retired, but former quarterback, he 
ended up coming back with the Patriots in the Super Bowl against Atlanta, poor Atlanta. They were up 28-3, to looked like they were going to run away with it, and Tom Brady and them came back. Tom Brady almost did it again. The Bucks almost came back and won it. It came down to a field goal in overtime. I mean, they went to overtime with them. Just the sheer fact that they came back from 27-3 to at halftime to then go to overtime with them. They didn't go to overtime. It was the last final seconds of the game. It was like the fourth quarter, and it was like 20 seconds left, and Matthew Stafford drove all the way down the field to kick a field goal by the end of the game. Sorry, it's been a lot of football. But, yeah, so it was still last second, though. Last second field goal, and it was just it was crazy that they almost pulled it off. Even at the end, like when Matthew Stafford got to almost the point where they're going to field goal and the time clock was still going they almost didn't make it and he you could see him on the field he's like let's go like he's yelling because they're all celebrating yeah and he's like let's go we got to spike this ball so we can uh kick the field goal but they they did it they almost didn't make it and lord knows who would have known if they would have went into overtime it probably would have changed some things but um to the to the next one here probably the best one that i've probably i would say probably the best football game i've ever seen of all time and that was the chiefs and the and buffalo bills you know, it was back and forth all game. One team scored, the other team scored. But down to the last two minutes, I want to talk about the last two minutes. The last two minutes, there was 24 points scored in the last two minutes with both teams combined. That's insane. That, that That's insane. Some, some teams don't score that 24 in a game. And there was 24 in two minutes. Anyways, so it comes down to they score back and forth. And right when you think, oh, man, Buffalo's got it. And, you know, towards the end, I thought Buffalo had it because they scored with 18 seconds left. They do the kickoff. Patrick Mahomes has, I think, 12 or 13 seconds. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have 12 or 13 seconds. And they're only at the 30-yard line or so. They're 30. So they got a long way to go to even come up for a field goal, which they needed to go to overtime. And in 13 seconds, they're able to do it. And I'm sitting here going, you know, your natural reaction is, man – you know, it's over for them. 13 seconds. They're going to have a couple Hail Marys. It'll get defended. It's fine. They did some brilliant play calling that I've never seen before in my life. They did a, a down-the-field screen to where literally they threw it to their tight end and had three blockers out front of him to where they can get into field goal or to get into good range to where they can get close enough to field goal range to then throw another play, get into field goal range, kick the field goal, go to overtime, which then was a little bit of a controversial thing. In the NFL, if you score first in overtime, a touchdown, you win the game automatically. So the other team doesn't get a chance at all. And that's what ended up happening. The Chiefs won the coin toss. They end up getting the ball. They end up scoring first. And they end up winning the game. And the Bills didn't even have another chance. You know, what I would have given for the Bills to have another drive and for it to potentially keep going, that would have been amazing. Well, in baseball, you if at the top of the inning, if that team hit a home run, then at the bottom of the inning, the other team has another chance. So I think it's a little uh, bi- biased, in my opinion. But it's definitely great football, for sure. Uh, when we are recording this episode, we don't know who's going to win, the Bengals or, or the Rams. And uh, I'm going to ask you this, and this is kind of a side thing, and we'll keep it short. How do you feel about Tom Brady retiring? That was just kind of like... Uh, not a shock, but like he did it sooner than I thought he was going to do it. He did it sooner than I thought he was going to do it. I can definitely tell his family got to him to a certain extent. Not in like a bad way, but you know, he's got kids and I don't know how old his son is. I, I, you, I saw a picture of him and his daughter and 
they're both, you know, like middle school, like late elementary, middle school, kind of going into high school. And so he talked a lot about family when he retired. So you can imagine that it's like, cause I mean, this stuff takes a toll on you with guys like Tom Brady. And, you know, I was not a big fan for the longest time. I think he really kind of broke out of his shell in Tampa. I, I didn't like Tom Brady at first, especially as a Patriot because he didn't seem like he ever had fun. I mean, he, he went out there. He was really, I mean, their coach is that way too, but you know, he would score a touchdown. He would just jog off. There was no celebration. There was no anything and they were winning all the time. So it, it just looked like he wasn't doing anything that he actually enjoyed, which is kind of aggravating to me. But when he came to Tampa and Tampa is more loose and relaxed and easy, he really came out of his shell and, and it, showed that he was actually a kind of a cool guy i agree with you and i've seen videos of like him on the bucks uh being like uh rob how how many more passes do you need to get to get your touchdown bonus or your completion bonus and uh he'll tell me like all right i got you and he'll get it to him the next play and to be honest with you i, I agree with you i was never really a tom brady fan uh until he came to tampa i wouldn't call myself a fan but i have a lot of admiration and respect because not only is the guy a quarterback he's a leader man like you just see that leadership and i think that really shown a lot whenever he was in tampa because of course the patriots you know you got robert Kraft and bill belichick and those are kind of overshadowed him. But I think also, too, you just saw his leadership qualities and seeing him as just, man, a respectable guy. Yeah, and, and to what you were saying to it, when he was with the Patriots as well, it really showed, especially the last few years, because they surrounded him with next to nobody. I mean, even in his early days, he had, you know, Randy Moss and Wes Welker and some people he could throw to. And then in the last few days, or the last few years, he was taking guys to the Super Bowl that probably would have been on practice squads on other teams, you know, and you're sitting there going, Who, who's this guy? This guy's not necessarily a nobody, but he's not a – he didn't really have anybody to throw it to. And so it was quite impressive. And then I think what really solidified his legacy for sure is when he came to Tampa because Tampa was mediocre at best – then he comes in and wins a Super Bowl year, or I mean, it was it was it year one? Yeah, yeah it was. It was, for, it was year one, the first year he came there, and that really shows how who he is and how he can change a culture just by himself. Yeah, one hundred percent. It definitely is sad for me because I see it's an end of an era. Like Tom Brady retired, Big Ben retired. Even though I didn't like him, you know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is the only OG left. You know, uh, Peyton Manning retired, Eli Manning retired, all the big quarterbacks from – I mean, Matty Ice is still in there. But you see it's now – I think Tom Brady's like, you know what, it's this young Cats game. We're going to give it to Joe Burrow. We're going to give it to Patrick Mahomes. We're going to – Matt Stafford's in a, kind of a – still an oldie. But you see these young up in quarterbacks. And I think I have a lot of respect for Tom Brady because he didn't want to make a big celebration about it. He was like – I just want to retire. And you could tell that it really wasn't about him, you know? Yeah, he just, he wanted to make it about family. He wanted to make it about, he just wanted to bow out gracefully and everything. And I mean, half of me, as bad as it is, the sports fan in me says, I wish he would have gotten his eighth ring before he would have went out, you know, go out on a high note. But at the same time, for as far as he went, the divisional round of the playoffs and with all the injuries and things that Tampa had this year and the fact that they really didn't even have a secondary to go off of, I mean, it just shows really who he is and he doesn't need to solidify his legacy anymore. He could retire.
Awesome. So that was our donut hole. And uh, for all you sports fans, you know, great sports. For those that are not sports fans, guess what? We talk about everything. This is a variety show, so we'll talk about everything on this show. Uh, some episodes, it's different. But this next segment is What Fries My Donuts. Michael, what fries your donuts? Moving. I hate moving. We're, you know, we did a little joke at the very beginning about shredding papers and stuff like that. It's not because the feds are coming for us. It's just because there's new opportunities in life coming about. And so right now we're moving and I hate how much crap comes out of the woodworks and that you didn't realize you had until you started moving. I start moving and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this thing. This has been sitting in this spot for how long? There's a dust ring around it. And I'm sitting here going, well, do I get rid of it and whatever? And I think probably the hardest part of things is, especially because we're moving to a smaller space. And we're, you know, you, you got to downsize and you got to get rid of a lot. But you don't realize what kind of attachments you have to some of this stuff until you get to that point. And you have to remind yourself, it's just stuff. It's not really a thing, but you have this weird emotional attachment to it because, you know, Aunt Betty bought it for me one time Christmas and said that she really loved me and gave me a kiss on the cheek and, you know, for whatever reason, I don't want to get rid of this thing. And it just, that process really, really sucks. There's other processes that suck too. You know, I'm having to change everything over to my new address. I hate that. I don't know how it would work, but people should read my mind and tell where I'm going. So I, I don't have to change nothing. Well, the world does not work like that. Uh, moving is a little bit different for me. I'm more of, it takes me a while to move. I think I've moved like maybe three, four times in my life. Um, but I used to work for a moving company and it's kind of the same thing. People don't realize how much crap they have and it would be crazy. Like we would go through and we'd like assess all that they had before uh they would like call and we give them a quote right so there would be stuff when we showed up to the actual job the actual day of the move they'd be like oh yeah i forgot to tell them about this and it would be like a whole room full of stuff and it's like you're trying to pack a whole bunch and it's like with the stuff you already have you're already gonna pack the whole truck but then they would be like trying to throw everything in at the end so it was like you almost had to play tetris and play a crazy game of you know stuff that they would add on at the end i wouldn't mind if i knew about everything at the beginning but it was all that stuff it would be stuff like oh yeah we're not taking that we're not taking that we're not taking that and then at the end of the truck they'd be like oh yeah we're taking that we're taking that we're taking i was like dude there's no more room at, at the end of this truck and uh people you know are very picky about their stuff as they should be but it was just like dealing with some of the customers who had outrageous demands like they don't they just think that we're you know supermen and they'd want you to move like a whole thousand pound gun safe down on a flight of stairs and it, it was dangerous it took us like two hours to move that gun safe downstairs it was probably one of the most dangerous things i've ever done i bet and it really i, I think if we're going off of worst moves it was definitely when chris and i moved out to texas because we we had to travel over a thousand miles and we so just just to visualize this my father decided okay we're gonna rent the largest rental truck you could possibly get pretty much an 18 wheeler don't know how they can let people drive that without a cdl but you know that is what it is we wanted to take chris's car with us and we knew it wouldn't make the trip it was a buick century within 96 yeah 96 buick century didn't oil leak like a sieve and we didn't think that it was gonna you know get out there and so 
he got the trailer for the back of it. So here, here's this man who has no business driving even a normal size U-Haul with this giant behind 18-wheeler with a car in the back. I mean, it's basically a convoy on its own. And <laughs> who would have thought that we couldn't get everything in? I remember we couldn't get everything in the truck. And we had to decide whether we wanted this, you know, toolbox or we wanted the grill. And I just remember it was, you know, Beverly Hillbillies looking at the end because we had strapped this grill to the back of the of the thing. And it was like riding on the point where the trailer like met the back of the truck. And it was just like strapped on with like bungee cords. And it was just, it was ghetto as hell. Yeah, it's, it's really... Uh it's really interesting to move and also the person that was packing the truck did not how to pack the truck i know how to pack a truck now so that's one of the life lessons that i did learn i will tell you this i did learn a lot about taking apart furniture and taking apart appliances and refrigerators and how to move efficiently so that definitely did serve me very well so now uh people call me to help them move and how to help pack their trucks but yeah moving is a hassle it's a i think it's the packing that takes the longest like actually moving the big stuff i don't mind but it's the packing up all the boxes and going through all the stuff and it's just a nightmare i mean and it's it's good to go through your stuff it's good to go through and get rid of all the excess stuff that you don't need but it's it's a hassle and it seems like uh at least in my case life goes haywire right when you need to do that and when you start needing to do that so then it becomes an extra hassle of I really don't have time to do this, but I'm having to go through this and doing this, which really just really fries my donuts that I'm having to move right now. But it'll all be good in the long run. And once you get unpacked and all that good stuff, it'll be all right. So that's what fries Micah's donuts. Now it's time for our mystery donut, which is our improv segment. Now we are going to play a game and it's called the rhyme game. So we're going to pick a scene and we're going to do best two out of three. And basically... We're going to go back and forth, and the last word has to rhyme with what the other person said. So if Micah ends the sentence with time, I have to end the sentence with rhyme. A little Dr. Seuss action, okay? And if you hesitate or crack up, you lose a point. So we'll do best two out of three. Um, we'll do a couple scenarios. So the first scenario will be waiting in line at a drive through okay? Okay. All right. You want to start or you want me to start? Uh, you start. Okay. I hope that my burger doesn't come with a lot of fat. I hope mine comes with a hat. If it does, I'll feed it to my cat. You feed it to your cat. She'll get... Oh. <laughs> All right. Let's we'll start a new one. Okay. This time we will do... Uh, waiting in line at the movies. All right. Ready? And I'll let you start first. Here we go. I hope this popcorn doesn't cost too much. It cost me $50 and such. Oh, wow. They have an antique hutch. Hey, do you see that guy over there? That's our friend Doug. He broke his leg. He's on a crutch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. That's good. All right. Uh, you choose the scenario for this next one. At the line of airport security. All right. I hope they let me check in my carry-on bag. I hope they put the flaps down to create more drag. My wife wouldn't let me bring my computer because she's a nag. The only way you'll find it is with a tag. Pick up your arms, they're starting to sag. Now who is being the other nag? 
<laughs> Even though you already used that. I hope when I get off this plane, I don't have jet lag. <laughs> I can't think of one. Okay, and that was our improv, our mystery donut. So next segment, we're going to go into our eclair, which is our positive advice for the week. And I went first last time, so Chris, take it away. Mine's a little bit different. Uh, this is a leadership tip. Uh, I'll start doing some leadership tips. Uh, so if you're in leadership or you manage people or you want to be in leadership, uh, this is a leadership tip. I don't claim to know everything about leadership. I'm just going to share what, what I've learned through trial and error. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes. But a leadership tip, a lot of people wonder, how are you, how do you become a good leader? And I, I'll tell people this. There's a difference between being a boss and there's a difference between being a leader. If you want your people to uh, work for you and to do anything for you, you got to earn their respect. Now, I don't mean that you got to kiss up to them and be their buddy buddy, but earning their respect is, is in a way letting them know, hey, this is a task that we have to do. A boss just points at you and says, hey, go do that uh, and do it because I said so. A leader delegates responsibility and a leader helps their people grow. And a leader also helps those people accomplish that task and letting those people know, hey, we got this task coming uh, coming in, but guess what? I'm not just going to sit in the office while you guys do all the grunt work. I'm going to help you guys out. I'm going to equip you. And a leader is someone that isn't worried about their own successes. It's worried about the whole team's success as a whole. A leader is someone that grows their people, that invest in their people. And if you want to be a good leader, grow and train other leaders. And that's a good way to be the best leader is putting your stock into other people, taking a chance on your people, letting them do things, even though it might be faster for you to do it yourself. If you teach them and let them learn and guide them in the process, those people are going to respect you and other people are going to see that and they're going to say hey that guy is a leader he's not just a boss but that person is taking the time to invest in me so invest in your people uh come alongside them and help shoulder those responsibilities i always say this a, a leader should be the first one there and the last one to leave um and that's just what i say be and that's a tip on how to be a good leader i agree with all that um especially the part about gaining people's respect because to be real, if they're if they don't respect you, they're not really going to listen to you. Even if you tell them how to do it, you know they're not going to give you a hundred percent because they don't respect you. Just add that note there. Mine is <clears throat> a tad different as well. It's to trust in yourself, trust in the process, trust in the things that you see is coming. Because really, I've had some things. I even had something happen today to where it was, you know big ordeal took a lot of stress took a lot of time took a lot of my sleep at night did it have to take that no it didn't you know why because i knew from square one what was going on i had a gut feeling and i knew exactly what was going on and we handled it accordingly because of the way that i already knew what was going on now i'm not tooting my own horn here a lot of people know what's going on automatically you get a feeling in your gut this is what's happening a lot of people don't go off of that. Prime example, I it's kind of a goofy story. I I went to a casino for the first time not too long ago. And I go in there and I wanted to play some blackjack because, of course, I played Red Dead Redemption blackjack. And I thought that I was some blackjack expert. And so I go in there and uh, it's $25 a hand or for a chip. So, I, you know, I, I bring 50 and I say, you know, I'm just going to play a couple hands. It's whatever. 
I sit down at the table and they flip the card over and something about blackjack. If the dealer, it looks like they may have blackjack, you can buy insurance. And what the insurance does is if they do have blackjack, then it'll pay you out triple of what your initial bet is. So I could have won $75 if I would have done it correct. My gut said, buy the insurance, get the insurance. She's got blackjack. My mind also said, do you know the mathematical improbability out of 52 cards of her having blackjack right now? And so I didn't, and I lost that quick. Life's a lot of the same way. You have a feeling. You know what it is. Now, I'm not saying you go strictly off a feeling. You should let logic do it. But sometimes you know that you know that you know. And get in tune with that spot and trust yourself. Trust that where... (laughs) What direction you think that it's going, it's going that direction. Because most of the time, you already have an idea and you see it going that direction. And So I just encourage you, listen to your gut. Let a little bit of logic in, but don't let it control you. It's usually when you second-guess yourself is when uh, that's when the mistakes are made. So don't second-guess yourself. Now, if you have a pattern of making bad choices, then yeah, yeah. maybe. But Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some differences there. I don't really, this is also something that works for me. I don't know what's best for you. If you've identified that maybe your gut's not exactly right 100% of the time, that's fine. But large in part, um, my my gut's pretty on point of if it says this is what's happening, this that's what's happening. So Awesome, man. Well, that was some good eclair. We hope that y'all have a great week. Um, and it is time to take this donut box out to the trash can. So tell them about trash can. TVTrashCan.com. TVTrashCan.com. Hey, you guys need to come out and see it. You also need to come see our social media pages. Some of y'all like and follow, which that's cool. But some more of y'all need to do it too. Because we love our trash can OGs. We like you guys a lot. We want to interact with you on social media and, and everything like that. And we, we would like to see you out there. Check out the website because I'll be danged if Michael spent all that time making that nice website and y'all don't even check it out. But seriously though, check out the website. Uh, we hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful week and that you enjoy everything that is coming towards you and we appreciate you guys so much and we will hear from you guys next time. So I'm Mike. I'm Chris. Actually, I'm not Micah. I'm Chris. <laughs> Did you almost say you were me? I almost said I was you, man. I just look up to you that much. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow, that was a heartfelt moment. I'm Micah. And I'm Chris. And this is the Donut Box Podcast. Y'all have a good week.